All right, hey, good morning and welcome to Journey Online. And uh, we're so glad that you're joining us uh, today. Last week, uh, Pastor Brandon did an incredible job teaching on making disciples. And uh, throughout this series, we're talking about what we're committed to. And uh, one of the things we want you to know about us as a church and about us as believers is we, are, we all should be committed to helping, helping others. And so today, that's the focus is what does it mean to be committed to helping others? And so Journey Church is committed to that. From the beginning, this has been one of the things that we wanted to do. We wanted to be a church that, you know, was, was going and doing things, not just to come and see, like, hey, let's, let's try to have a better party than everybody else. But really, we wanted to be a church that was willing to go out into our community and make a difference. We started out picking up paper. We did all kinds of things. And so we believe that, you know, it's, it's part of what we're called to do as Christians is to help others. And so we ought to be, every one of us, every believer, should be committed to helping others. In our nation right now, in our time right now, that ought to be something that is obvious that we want to help each other. Right now it looks like we're all against each other. But we've got to be willing to be committed to helping each other. And one of the ways that we do that is to be ready to help. You've got to be prepared to help. You've got to have that mindset and that mentality. And we see that in Scripture in Romans. Now let's take a look here in Romans. In Romans it says, don't just pretend to love others. In other words, you know, Paul is saying to the church here in Rome, he said, listen, don't just put on a show. Don't just be plastic about it. Don't be phony. Don't be fake. But, hey, really love people. You know, he says, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. And hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. There's a lot of stuff that we ought to be hating right now because it's wrong. But there's plenty of things that we can hang on to and we can cling to that are good. And that's what Scripture is teaching us. It says, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. In other words, we ought to love one another and look for ways to honor one another and to encourage one another and to build each other up and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy. But work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. You know, every believer ought to be the best employee, the best worker that you could ever find. Because, you know, Scripture makes it clear that we should never be lazy. We should work hard and we should serve the Lord enthusiastically. That we ought to be, you know, excited about what we get to do. Excited about our job. Excited about what we get to be a part of. It says rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. Man, we ought to be praying all the time, especially for our nation right now, for our leaders right now. You know, with this pandemic that's still around, you know, we've still got to be praying for our leaders and for wisdom and guidance. Instead of condemning everybody and complaining, we need to be praying. Every believer ought to be the greatest prayer warrior right now, praying for our nation and praying for our leadership. And when God's people are in need, be ready, there it is, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. So we ought to be ready. You know, when God's people are in need, we've got to be ready to help them. And, and so one of the ways that we do that is when we take up offerings, we're able to help people that are in need. Whenever we, you know, give every week through our tithes and our offerings, we support a lot of miss, missions and ministries. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But it says always be eager to practice hospitality. It's making people feel welcome. It's blessing people, being an encouragement to them. And so the Scripture is clear that we should be ready to help them. Be ready and be ready for it. So here's the next thing. If we genuinely love others, we will want to help them. If we genuinely love people, then we're going to do what we can to help them. I don't know about you, but I love my kids, and I want to do everything I can to help them be successful in life. I want to help them, you know, get an education. I want to help them to, you know, discover a career, whatever it might be. But I want to help them. I love my wife. And so I help all the time around the house, probably not as much as she wants me to, but I, I want to help her. I want to do things for her. And there's people around me that I love. I've got friends that I love to help. I want to help them, you know. And so we've got to have that mentality that, you know, hey, if I love people, then I'm going to want to help them. So here's the thing. We ought to love our neighbor. 
we ought to love our community. We ought to love our leaders and pray for them and pray for God to, to bless them and use them. So if we genuinely love others, we will want to help them. And then look at this next statement here. If we really love God, we must love our neighbor. I think most of us know that to be true. We just don't always live that out. And a lot of times we let the circumstances around us dictate how we really feel about people. Rather than loving someone, like I said, we're always criticizing and belittling and you know, railing against them. That's, you know, social media is full of that. And what we've got to be willing to do is say, God, help me to love people. Love people enough that I pray for them. Love people enough that I look for ways to help them. And, and look at what it says here in the, the great commandment. Jesus was questioned about, hey, what is the greatest commandment in the Scriptures? And so whenever he was asked, it says, Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. What he's saying there is, hey, listen, you've got to love God with everything that's in you. And if you love God with everything that's in you, every part of your fiber, every, every part of your being, you're loving God with your life, with your words, with how you live, how you treat people, how you treat anybody, even foreigners, how you treat people that you know, are, 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 you know, are not even neighbors or anything. It's just people that you don't know, strangers. You know, so how do you treat them? And, and so God's Word is telling us, hey, we've got to be willing to love God and here's the thing, it affects it. So it says, so this is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's, it's critical that we love our neighbor. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So the greatest commandment that you know, Jesus would cover was, hey, love God with everything that's in you, and listen, and then love your neighbor the way you love yourself. Now, most of us love ourselves. We feed ourselves. We we buy what we want. We make things about us. And that's one of the things that gets in the way of us helping others is us. We have a tendency to where we want to, we want to, to make sure that we're happy. You know, when somebody says, hey, listen, where do y'all want to eat at? We want everybody to pick the place that we want to eat at. You know, and so we, we have this tendency to make things about us. It's all about what I want, when I want it. And, we, and it causes tension in relationships and stress in relationships. But it's because of the selfish nature, this flesh that hangs on us. It demands its own way. But the Spirit says that we're to be helping others. We should be worried about others. Like I said, the, the whole law, the teachings, you know, all based on loving God and loving people. And then look at this next one. We want people to know that God loves them, and we do too. So as if we love God, then we should want people to know that God loves them and that we do too. When we first started out uh, Journey Church years ago, before we ever even had our first service, last Sunday we celebrated our our 16 years of anniversary, our 16 years of doing ministry as a church and meeting as a church. But we actually met before that as far as a corporate deal. So Laurie and I, we moved here in April, the end of April of 2004, and we began to meet with people all over the community, just inviting them to come and be a part of what we felt like God was doing. And we were planning a church, so we started in April, the end of April, meeting with families. We started having a Bible study in my home. We started doing a life group in my home. And, uh, and then we would train and stuff on Sundays. We would even go visit other churches to learn, you know, some things that they were doing that were working, that were making a difference. But we didn't really have our first corporate service as, a, as you know, inviting everybody to come to it until August 15th. But before that, we were doing all kinds of things. So we were the church. We were meeting in my home. We were meeting, you know, at, you know up to the YMCA. We'd meet there to train and do things. And then here's the other thing. We would go out and do service projects, and we would look for ways to help our community. And so in the DNA of Journey Church was to help people, to help others. And so I remember one day we were at a laundromat, and one of the things we did was we, we took rolls of quarters, and we went in, and, 
And when if someone would come in to wash their clothes at a laundromat, we'd say, hey, listen, we want to pay to have your clothes washed today, which would freak them out. They were, they were like, you know, what kind of people are these, you know? And, and anyway, so we had children that, uh, part of our children's ministry, we had, you know, some kids that had put together scoops of detergent and put them in Ziploc bags, and they had colored a picture of something that went on the bag saying, hey, listen, God loves you, and we do too. And so we, as we were doing these things, you know, we were in there and we were, you know, I was being a great dad. I had my kids in the basket, spinning them around, stuff like that. And this guy comes in, walks in, puts his clothes up there. And my wife, Lori, walks over and she begins to, uh, she said, hey, listen, we want to wash, pay to wash your clothes today. He goes, I don't need any help. Thank you. And uh, he's pretty curt. And uh, anyway, so he starts putting his clothes in a washing machine. And Lori just walks over and sticks quarters in there and slips it in there. And I'm thinking, what in the heck is she doing? You know, the guy said he didn't want any help, and uh, he goes, ma'am, I don't need your help. And she goes, I know, but we want, God, we want you to know that God loves you, and we do too. And uh, I can remember sitting there thinking, all right, she's done messed up. You know, this guy's going to be, be ticked off. And anyway, so we did, you know, he goes to the next washing machine. She walks over, she sticks quarters, zip, and puts it in. And anyway, so he starts washing his clothes, and he walks outside, and uh, he starts smoking a cigarette, and he starts looking back in. He's looking at us like, who are these people, and why are they doing this? And, uh, and anyway, so he comes back in after his clothes had finished. He walks back in. He moves them over to a dryer, and Laurie walks over, and he goes, Ma'am, I don't need your help. He goes, she goes, I know, but I want you to know that God loves you, and we do too. And she said, we just want to bless you. So she sticks quarters in there, you know, and puts his clothes in the dryer. And anyway, so we're sitting there, and I'm kind of watching him. He's outside, and he keeps looking in like he just can't figure these people out. And anyway, after all that, he comes back in to, you know, pull his clothes out of the dryer, and I was just going to kind of go over and just kind of almost apologize for my wife. And he goes, dude, when is enough enough? I was like, what do you mean? And he said, when does God say enough is enough? He said, I lost my brother this year. He said, I lost my dad this year. He said, and my mom's about to lose her mind. He says, when does God say enough is enough? I said, man, you know, I don't know, you know, what God has in store. I said, but I do know that God loves you and he has a plan and a purpose for your life. And I know this, he will walk with you through these dark valleys and through these tough times. And so for me, you know, I realized this guy was hurting. And so here we are washing his clothes and helping him out in the best way we knew how, but it opened up a door for us to be able to share the gospel. And so I got to share the gospel with this guy, the good news of Christ, that Jesus loved him. He went to the cross. He died for him. And the incredible thing about that story is we get to the end of it, and he goes, dude, I don't go to church. He said, but if I ever do, he goes, I want to go to church like Journey. And we hadn't even started meeting. And I said, man, when we meet, I'd love for you to be there, but you're welcome to come to my house. And, and so here's what I'm saying is when we help others, it opens to the, the door for the Great Commission. And so let's look at the Great Commission here. Jesus came and told his disciples, he says, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. So therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. Pastor Brandon talked about this last week. He did an incredible job of talking about being a disciple and how you know guys had invested in different guys along the way and how it was just handed off and that's our responsibility as the church is to make make disciples so therefore go and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the father son and the holy spirit teach these new disciples to obey all the commands i have given you and be sure of this i am with you always even to the end of the age and so jesus is telling us here hey listen man I'm with you. I am there. I, you know, and he's telling us, hey, listen, I want you to go out and I want you to make disciples. I want you to teach them. And one, some of the ways that we do that is by helping them, it opens the door for a, a, a conversation. It opens the door for a way to, to bless them. 
And we'll see a little bit later, even just by helping them, it still glorifies our Father who is in heaven. You know, and so I want to show you, I want to share with you just a few ways that we can, we can help others. And one is this, is that we share Jesus with someone. By sharing Jesus with someone, you're telling someone the greatest information they could ever hear. And if they accept Christ, if they surrender their life to Him, it'll be the most important decision they'll ever make in their life. It will affect every decision they make from that point forward, who they date or who they marry, you know, what kind of work they do. And what they do with their time and their energy and their effort will all be decided by that decision, which, here's the thing, it begins to make a difference in the lives of the people around them. And so by sharing Jesus with someone, it's the greatest way that we could help anybody is to tell them about someone who loves them, who can forgive them, who can set them free, and who can heal their brokenness and their wounds and these broken hearts that are walking around that are so damaged right now that need healing. And they need to be healed from the inside out by sharing Jesus with them. Here's another, by making disciples, transform lives. Like we talked about last week, by making disciples, here's the thing, you're helping people like no other way possible. There's, there's nothing more important than sharing Christ with someone and then making a disciple with someone. Those things really work together. And so whenever we put, do those things, we're helping people to get, be in a right relationship with, with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. By faith, by, it's grace. It's not by works or anything like that. It is by faith in what Jesus Christ has already done. And so some of the greatest ways that we can help people by sharing Jesus with them, by making disciples, and here's another one, by praying for people. If you saw the video last week where Kim Bowman was talking about how, you know, just asking someone, can I pray over you, they, they'll start weeping, man. They're like, you know, I've never had anybody pray over me. You know, and there's times when people are going through tough times and you say, hey, listen, can I pray for you? And you pray over them. And, and if nothing else, man, just get up in the morning. You meet with God and begin to pray for people by name. You know, we see people all the time posting on Facebook, hey, pray for me today or pray for this situation. You know, we've got some families in our church that are going through some tough medical issues right now, you know, and, and, and they need to be prayed for and lifted up and encouraged. And so one of the ways that we can make a huge difference by praying for people is lifting up their names before the Lord and interceding for them. Here's another way, by giving to meet their needs. You know, Oftentimes we, we may have a need come up and, and one of the ways that you can be a part of ministering to someone's need is just by giving financially. Just, you know, our tithe, the tithe that we return is God's. We return that to God. But sometimes we see a need outside and say, well, I gave to the church. Well, here's the thing. Maybe, you know, you need to be the one to bless someone or give to someone. And some of us have been blessed with so much, man, that we need to be say, you know, God, who can I bless? Who can I give to? Who can I you know, help out in some way. It's about maybe giving to meet a need. Maybe it's just to buy groceries or maybe it's to buy a backpack for a kid or maybe it's to put shoes on their feet or maybe it's to buy a Bible for them, whatever it might be. But you give because, you know what, you can't hang on to it all. You can't take it all with you, but you give to meet the needs in their life. Here's another way, by serving them. You know, one of the things that we were talking about this past week is just by, you know, maybe cutting a, a senior adult's yard or something like that. You know, cutting the grass for someone that can't get out there and cut their, their own grass, you know. Uh, maybe they just have some kind of physical challenges, but helping someone. Maybe it's taking up the garbage can. You know, whenever you take yours up, you take your neighbors up. And you might think, well, they can get it. Yeah, but here's the thing. It's, it's just helping them. They can get it, but they, they might need some help. So there's ways that we can do that. Here's another great one, especially during this season, is by caring for them. And that's one of the ways, I, I think about our nurses, and I think about all the nurses and medical uh, professionals that are, that are, man, they're ministering in the middle of this pandemic. They're taking care of people. Uh, they are on the front lines, if you will. 
But, you know, my wife is a nurse. And I think about all the years that her heart is, is mercy. She wants to minister to people's needs. And she wants to care for them whenever they can't care for themselves. And too often we just think, well, you know, that's just, that's just not my niche. You know, I'm not good at that. But, you know, going up to a nursing home and maybe reading. Or maybe going up to the nursing home and if you play the piano or something like that and playing the piano. But just caring. Going by and caring enough to listen. Listen to them tell their stories. Even if you hear the same story over and over, you're giving them, you know, this opportunity to, to you know, feel like they've been cared for. To, so it's a way of helping them. And then here's another one, by walking with them. What does that mean? Does it mean we go get together and we walk together? No, it means walking with them through maybe some tough times, maybe the loss of a loved one. Uh, maybe they're going through, you know, some marital issues. You walk with them. And really, that's, part, that's discipleship. That's what you're doing. But you're walking with them through, you know, a tough season. You know, maybe they lost their job. You're walking with them through that. You're, you're giving them encouragement. You're talking to them. Maybe you're just a listening ear. But there's ways that we can do that. And these are just some of the ways. It's not all of them, but these are some of the most important ways that we can help others. And again, the Bible tells us that we should help. So when we help others, and this is important, when we help others, our action shares hope and points to our Heavenly Father. So whenever we, whenever we help people, it, it, it gives people hope. You know, there's times that people think, hey, you know what, nobody cares. But whenever you or I, and we go and we help someone, it gives them a little bit of hope. You know, maybe people do care. You know, maybe there is a God. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe this little service that I did or, you know, cutting their yard or whatever. I can remember years ago we went to a, a senior adult family in our church. This was years ago, probably 16, 17 years ago. Actually, I think it was about 20 years ago. And... uh they were older. They were in their 90s, actually. And we went by, and we just wanted to cut their, you know, their, their hedges. We wanted to cut their grass. And we had some students together. I was a student pastor at that time. And we walked up and said, hey, listen, we just want to cut your grass. We want to help out with the yard. And uh, anyway, so she came to the door, and she just starts weeping. And I said, no, no, no. I said, you know, we're, I mean, I felt bad. I was like, hey, we're, we're here to help. We're just, we just want to help out with the yard or whatever. So we get done. Well, then she wants to pay us. And I'm like, no, ma'am, we do not want any money. We just want to bless you. It's our simple way of saying God loves you, we do too, and we just want to serve you. And, uh, and anyway, man, she just really had a tough time with that, but it ministered to her and her husband. Her husband, who was blind, you know, came, and, and you're talking about a sweet story. This couple, they were, like I said, they were in their 90s. Well, anyway, wasn't too long after that, maybe a year or so later, he passed away, and I think the next morning she passed away. And it's like, you know what, they couldn't live without each other. Incredible couple that loved the Lord, and uh, we had an opportunity just to serve them. And so those are ways that we can do that. So I believe that when we help others, our actions share hope. It, it gives hope to people around and to maybe even other people who see what you do. And then it points to our Heavenly Father. There's a passage in Matthew I want you to read with me here. It says, You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your Heavenly Father. In other words, you know, when we do our good deeds, and we're not doing it to get recognition for us. We're doing it so that people can see that, you know what, we're different. And we've been changed. You know, we've been transformed by the power of the gospel. We've been transformed by the Spirit of the living God living within us. We've been transformed by the good news. And so whenever we begin to do those things and we begin to serve people, we begin to care for people, we begin to help people, what we're doing is we're giving people hope and we're also, this is what I love, we're glorifying our Father who is in heaven. And people begin to give praise to, you know, thank God for people like that that will still help. Thank God for people that care enough about others to do something. 
So all of that is important. You know, that we have a, a help others mentality and that we're ready. We, we're, we're, we're stay on the go. We're stay ready to help. You know, even through this pandemic, a lot of people have been asking, hey, what can we do to help? What can people do to make a difference in the community? And, and so I think we need to be always asking those questions. What can we do? What will make a difference? I can remember meeting with the, the mayors of our cities and just say, hey, listen, what can we do as a church to make a difference in the community? What are some of the greatest needs? And so what we have to be willing to do is be you know, willing to ask, look around, see what is out there. Hey, what can we do to help others? And so one of the things that, you know, that we have done, and we have helped you know, lots of different ministries, but I wanted to just share a couple of uh, things that we do. And we've got some churches and, and stuff that we help, but there's, there's also a lot of ministries that we invest in. And uh, we believe in working together with other churches to be able to do more at times. You know, it's called working together as an association or as a ministry, you know, someone who has got a passion for something, they can do it better than we can do it. So one of the things that we do goes back to giving. Whenever we give to the Big Give every year, we support missions and, and ministries all over the globe. Call to Africa. A good friend of mine, Ken Gallion, who goes to Africa, man, he is anointed to preach the gospel there. He teaches leaders. He equips pastors. And, man, he just reaches the lost. They'll, there's nothing unusual about them reaching twelve to 1,500 people, you know, for salvation on a trip. And uh, do, does an incredible job. And so we have ministries that we invest in. Water for Life, where we drill water wells. We invest in those things. And so we're doing those things to help people. Because if people, you know, get fresh water, there's oftentimes they might be open to hearing about Jesus and how much Jesus loves them. And so there's ministries that we invest in. The, the Pregnancy Crisis Center, we believe that life matters. And we believe that these babies matter. And so we invest in those things. And we want, we want people to know, you know, we want to help these young ladies who are at a major decision in life. We want to help them to hopefully prayerfully make the right decision. And so there's a lot of ways that we help. You know, in ministries, we invest in ministries that literally they gather resources together, they train, equip people, and they send them out as missionaries all over the world. We've got mission organizations that we invest in because we believe in helping others. And we want to help them reach as many people as possible. We also invest in churches. So here's a statement. I love this. Journey Church is committed to helping plant churches that proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're committed to that. We're committed. We were a church plant. You know, when we came here, I can remember people, you know, asking, why are you planting a church in Alabama, you know, churches everywhere. But we wanted to be a church that was preaching the gospel. We were unapologetic about that. We wanted to go after the unchurched, the unsaved. We were un- unashamed of that as well. We wanted people to know that we wanted to go after the people that nobody else wanted to go after. And, and so we're not just trying to swap sheep with other churches. It's never been the intention of the church. But we wanted to go after those who no one was going after. And so we love to see people come to know Christ. It's in our DNA. It's, in the, it's the heart that God gave us whenever we planted this church 16 years ago. And, and so for us, we're committed to planting other churches like that. And so even right now, you know, there's four churches that we're investing in. You know, one is in the city of Montgomery, uh, that, you, know, flat, you know, the Flatline Church that we invest in. Man, we, we believe in them, you know, and uh, we, we, we love seeing lives change. Uh, we love seeing churches, you know, reach their communities and impact their communities. We invest in one uh, Bruce Outreach Center up in uh, the, the Carolinas or up in the mountains up there, the Appalachians, I just should say. And then we invest in a church out in Arizona, and we invest in a church in, in, in Memphis, Tennessee. So we invest in We have personal relationships with those people because we want to see them make a difference in their, in their communities. So we believe in that. So we're committed to that. So Journey Church is committed to helping plant churches. Let me read a statement to you. I love the statement. I read it the other day. It says, The vigorous, continual planting of new congregations is the single most Crucial strategy for, the num- for, number one, the numerical growth of the body of Christ in any city, and, number two, 
the continual corporate renewal and revival of the existing churches in a city. In other words, planting new churches will impact and hopefully influence the, even the churches that are existing there. Nothing else, not crusades, outreach programs, parachurch ministries, growing megachurches, congregational consulting, nor church renewal processes will have the consistent impact of dynamic, extensive church planning. Tim Keller. And he's the guy that kind of oversees church planning for a, for a ministry. But I agree with him. I think that church planning, you go back and you look at what Paul did. He planted churches. Some of the verses, the passages that we're reading earlier in Rome. You know what? Paul plants a church in Philippi. Plants a church. You know, in Ephesus. Plants a church. Paul was planting churches wherever he went. And those churches exploded and they grew. So here's the thing. When we put others first, we are being like Jesus. When we put others before us, we're being like Christ. And too often... This is the ongoing battle. Man, we make it really, really too often about what we want. It's about us. We're so self-centered. That comes natural. I mean, you don't have to teach a kid to fight over a toy. You know, it's mine. That's mine. You know, they want everything. You know, some of the kids playing with something that, you know, they really don't ever even play with. But if that kid's got it, they want it. It's that, that flesh nature, that sinful nature that we want everything to be about us. But I'm just telling you, when we put others first, we're being like Jesus. That's what Jesus did. Jesus put others first. First, look at what it says in Philippians here. I love this. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from His love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? A lot of questions there. Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and one purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. And don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. You know, that passage is clear. And if you follow that passage, you read the next passage, it talks about how Jesus was, the attitude of Christ. That Jesus left heaven to come here, you know, to take on this, this flesh, to go to the cross for you and for me. And so, man, he was willing to give up, give up everything so that you and I might live. And so Jesus had that attitude, of, hey, let's make it about others. He made it about us. He made it about, hey, a way, providing a way. For us to have a right relationship with God through Him. Because of us putting our faith in what Jesus has done. We're saved only by faith. It's God's grace, His amazing grace that gives us even the opportunity. But it's only by faith. It's not by works. We can't, you know, we can't work to earn it. We can't do enough good things to get there. It's by receiving the gift of eternal life. It's a gift. Just receiving it. And so here's some next steps for you today and maybe for me. So next steps. Allow Jesus to transform me. Man, that's where we start. You know, maybe you've been in church your whole life. Maybe you're just real religious. But, man, if you've never been transformed by the power of the gospel, you know, if you just got your name on a card somewhere, hey, man, this guy prayed to receive Christ, or, hey, this guy, you know, joined the church, but there's never been any life change, man, you might want to weigh that out and say, God, have, have I really been transformed? Have I really been saved? Have I really, you know, been, have I really given my life? Have, have I surrendered? Or is it still all about me? Is it still all about what I want is it about me getting into heaven and not about surrendering to you and living my life in a way that gives, you know, gives purpose, uh, Lord Father, to, to those around me. They see, you know what, that you can change someone. I've heard two or three different testimonies this week of someone saying that their child said, Dad, you're not the guy you used to be. Here's the positive thing, though. That's in a good way. Now, the kids may not like it because maybe before Dad was not leading his family the way he should. And they're going, you know what, you're not like you used to be. And he's going, you know what, thank you. Thank you. And maybe whenever people begin to see, you know what, hey, there has been a change. There's been a transformation. They go, you know what, I want to know what changed you. What was it? And so when we 
allow Jesus to transform us, it allows Him to receive the glory. And people begin to see the change in us. Look at this next one. Choose to have the attitude of Jesus. Choose to have the attitude of Christ that, you know, it's not about me. It's about honoring God. It's about loving God. It's about celebrating God. And it's about loving people. Maybe celebrating people. You know, maybe serving people. Maybe walking with people. Maybe forgiving people. That's what Jesus did. Jesus was quick to forgive. The Bible says that we're to forgive just as Christ did, who, was, who quickly and thoroughly forgave. So we should be willing to quickly and thoroughly forgive just as Christ has forgiven us. So look at this next one here. Ask God to show me how I can help someone today. Don't think, say, you know what, that's something I need to do. I need to work on that. No, no, no. Ask God to show you today. God, who's someone that I can help? Who's someone that I can serve? Who's someone that I can share with? Who's someone that I can pray with? Who's someone that I can pray for? God, who's someone that I can help today in a tangible way? Who's someone that I can give something to? Who's something that I can give something to that has become an idol in my life? That it's no longer just a tool. It's no longer just a, an object. It's become an idol. And so, God, who can I give that to that might be a blessing to someone that needs it? So God asked, so ask, God, God, what can I do and who can I help today? Who can I help today in a way that might lead to eternal life? If you've never accepted Christ, I want to encourage you, let Jesus transform your life today. By faith, by faith in what Christ has done, by faith in what Christ did on the cross, and through the power of the resurrection, He offers to you and He offers to me eternal life. And so right where you're at, man, you get on your knees. You can sit there on the couch, whatever, but just maybe in your heart of hearts, you just, you just bow before Him and say, Jesus, I need you to change me. I'm selfish. I'm greedy. It's always about me. And so I need to change. And so Jesus, will you come into my life? Will you be my leader? Will you be my Lord? Will you be my Savior? His answer is yes. So Jesus... Forgive me. I want to quit living the way I've been living. I want to live for you. That's repentance. And if we ask Christ to come and live with us, and we are sincere in that decision, here's the thing, you will be saved. And you begin that transformation process. You become a new person. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. The Bible says it gives you a new name and a new heart. And we all need that. Let's pray. Father, thank you for meeting with us today. God, thank you for helping us when we were lost in our sin. God, thank you for helping us by sending your son Jesus as the Savior of the world. God, thank you for helping us to come out of the brokenness that we many of us grew up in. God, thank you for healing our hearts. Thank you for redeeming us. God, thank you for using us for your purposes and for your kingdom. And God, thank you for choosing us, the church, to be the one that would be your hands and feet in this world. And God, thank you for choosing us to help others and those around us in our community. So God, thank you for meeting with us today. And Father, we ask again, show us whom we might be able to help today. By sharing Jesus with them, by making a disciple, by praying for them, by serving them, by walking with them. God, show us whom we might be able to help today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey guys, one of the things that we you know, love to do uh, here at Journey Church is also we're committed to communion and baptism, you know, the ordinances that uh, Scripture teaches us about. And so today, you know, we want to be able to uh, share in communion with you. And you being at home, we've, you know, we've covered this before, 
kind of hard for us to get, you know, the elements to you. But what you can use is you can use whatever you have there at home. You know, if you have juice or if you have crackers or whatever you might be able to use, it's really symbolic. But really, it's, it's the focus of the moment. And uh, so we're going to share in communion. And, uh, and by doing this, what we're doing is we're recognizing what Christ did on the cross. We're, we're celebrating that. There may be some of you that just a few minutes ago, you prayed to receive Christ. You asked Jesus to come into your life. Well, here's the incredible thing about that. This is the first time that you get to do communion, you know, and you get to celebrate that decision by thanking Jesus and thanking God, thanking the Holy Spirit for all the work that they've done in the work of the cross and the fact that Jesus was willing to lay down his life. And, uh, and so what we do is we take these elements that, you know, the bread represents his body and the juice represents the blood that was poured out for your sins and for my sins. And so I want to read a passage to you uh, out, of, out of Luke chapter 22, and it's verses 14 through 20. And here we see the, 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 the writer of the Gospel of Luke is, is telling us and showing us what happened in that Last Supper as Jesus was with the disciples. And it was a very intimate moment. It was a very passionate moment. Um, you know, Jesus is headed to the cross. He knows that. You know, Judas is about to betray him. There's a lot of elements that are involved here. But Jesus establishes this communion in such a powerful way. And I want to read this passage to you. And I'm going to read to you again out of Luke chapter 22. It says, When, when the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. And Jesus said, I've been very eager to eat this Passover uh, meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I... Uh, I, I won't get to eat the meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he's preparing them for what's ahead. Then he took a cup of wine and he gave thanks to God for it. And then he said, take this and share it among yourselves. For I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. And he took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. And then he broke it into pieces and he gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After making... After supper, he took another cup of wine. He said, this cup is the new covenant between God and the people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. And so in that, that moment there, Jesus has established a couple of things. The, the bread representing the body, the juice representing the, the blood. And so if you've got, and we're doing these, uh, these are kind of the, the, the little uh, portable communion, if you will. You can use whatever you have there uh, in your home. But we use these. And so at this time, Jesus, you know, uh, he, he gave thanks for it. And so we want to do that. Let's, let's just give God thanks for Jesus' body that was broken for us. Father, we thank you for what these things symbolize. Lord, Father, they, symbol, they resemble or they symbolize the, the, the giving of Jesus' body as a sacrifice for us, to go to the cross for us. And, and so, Father, as we take this time, I ask that you would bless it. And so, Father, would you bless this as we remember what Jesus did for us? that he purchased our freedom, that he, he offered redemption to us. And, Father, he paid it with such a great high price. So, Father, thank you for the body of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So take this in remembrance of me. In the same way, Jesus took the cup of wine, and he said... The bread represents the body. The juice represents the blood. And so Jesus, again, he, he blessed it. And then he passed it around for the disciples to share in that moment. And he established a new covenant. And so, if you would, let's, let's give God thanks for Jesus pouring out his precious blood. Father, we thank you for the blood of Christ, which washes away all sin. 
Father, is the, is the atoning uh, sacrifice. And so, God, we thank you for that. We thank you that Jesus freely bled out his precious life-giving blood so that we might live. And so, Father, thank you again for this gift and this remembrance. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So do this in remembrance of me. Something powerful about communion. And for you at home, if you're leading your family through communion, maybe it's a time to explain. You know, it's, it's not for everybody. It's for the believer. So if you've never put your faith in Christ, it's just, it's just juice and bread. But if you put your faith in Christ, it's a special time to remember the price that was paid for our sins. Father, I thank you for the gift of, of communion. I thank you for being able to celebrate it as a church today, even in our homes. And, Father, even here in our facility. God, we thank you for the privilege of being able to do that. In Jesus' name, amen.